Welcome to Empowering Connections, a podcast by Connie Akins, a licensed professional counselor with a private practice to help you heal your personal and professional relationships through counseling advice, tips, and ideas. Empowering Connections will focus on healthy ways to improve these relationships, help you manage your stress, and attain a better sense of self-fulfillment. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, I want to talk about being a caregiver. And this is something that's very important to me. Where do I start? Well, being a caregiver was one of the most important roles in my life. I was the caregiver for my mother who suffered from Alzheimer's. As a matter of fact, I did not even have to sign up for it. As the eldest child in my family, I was chosen by my mother to fulfill this responsibility. This role of being a caregiver occasionally caused conflict between my siblings and I. However, as I stated, I was chosen and being the committed person that I am, I took on the responsibility the moment I realized my parents could no longer make decisions for themselves. One day my mom had came to visit me from Georgia and I began to notice odd behavior. For example, on this visit, mom could no longer remember places where she lived before, including how to get to her brother's house and where the bank was. And during the visit, I remember my daughter calling me crying and she was 16 at the time and she had just gotten her driver's license, not too long, but I did trust her with my mom. And so she said, mom, uh, I don't know what's wrong with granny. I've tried, um, I've been driving up and down the street and she insisted the bank is on this street, but of course it wasn't. And so my daughter was starting to feel um, distressed. And so I told her, um, try not to become agitated and at this particular time, I also told her uh, not to listen to her grandmother, which is something I wouldn't normally do. But instead, I gave my daughter some specific instructions about how to get back to the house and where the actual bank was near our house. And so she could take her grandmother to that bank, monitor her, and then bring her back home immediately. So during that visit, um, which I think was in 2012 or 2011, my mom um, confided in me that she was having trouble remembering things. And she asked me to hold her keys for her because she was afraid that she would lose them. On another visit a year later, um, my mother visited for my daughter's graduation from high school and This was really a very odd experience. Uh, We were at, I believe it was Meadowbrook out in uh, Rochester Hills, Michigan. And mom was able to walk up some steps um, to get seated. However, when it was time to exit the arena and walk down the steps, my mom became distressed and she was refusing to go down the steps and she was acting afraid actually. And she started screaming and 
we didn't know what to do. So a stranger, a gentleman who was also attending the graduation, offered to pick her up and bring her down the steps. And it wasn't even that many steps. So I obliged. This was a very frightening experience because my mom was changing before my very eyes. I admired my mom because she was a woman of faith, compassion, strength, tenacity, and sometimes wanderlust. She loved to travel. She was a woman who was good at planning, saving, and developing relationships. She was also a sensitive woman. I would say she was an imp. She started, however, to show cognitive decline, and she was aware that something had changed. She was changing from the person who was always taking care of others to the person who needed to be cared for. She went from a vibrant, spiritual, and world-class traveler to a person who needed care. So my mom was suffering from Alzheimer's, and I want to kind of focus my caregiving on the fact that Alzheimer's causes uh, cognitive decline along with dementia. And so a lot of elderly people um, suffer from this. And so I'm just going to talk about the things that happened to her and my role as the caregiver and hope that this helps someone who is experiencing the very same thing. Now, with Alzheimer's, there are some common symptoms. And so I'm going to go over about four or five of them. The first one is memory loss. Mom was forgetting things or people forget places. They forget events. They forget dates. And another thing is they repetitively talk about the same thing. So they may say something like three or four times without even recognizing it. There is a loss of spontaneity, a loss of initiative. They begin to socially withdraw and they have a lack of interest in doing the things that they love to do. And I believe in my mom's case, it was the fear of people noticing because she was starting to notice her change. It takes them longer uh, to complete normal tasks and sometimes they completely forget how to do normal tasks. Uh, for example, my mom would start cooking and forget she was cooking, which led to the fire department coming to her house several times. And I learned about this much later on when I began to be her full-time caregiver, um, that she was actually cooking and just forgot something was on the stove and just start a little small fire and the fire department comes or the smoke um, made the fire department come. Having trouble paying bills or handling bills. This is another thing. Uh, my mom was actually sending money to people that she barely knew. And that was very um, odd. Uh, so please be aware that your loved one will give away items. They may give away money and that they are not in their right state of mind. So you just have to be careful and really be aware of what's going on um, with your loved one. If they're suffering from dementia or even if they um, have Alzheimer's or, you know, th these are specific to that situation. But caregiving involves a total commitment to your loved one in one form or another. Uh, for 
patients who have Alzheimer's, um, there can be a change in their mood or their behavior. They can get agitated easily. They can begin become withdrawn, uh, fearful, uh, confused. And like I said earlier, when I was speaking about uh, mom's inability to, to remember directions, uh, that's something serious because she was trying to drive too at some point until I had to ask my uh, stepfather to take the keys from her. I was like, she can't drive anymore. She's not allowed to drive anymore. She actually almost um, drove into a pond and I think that frightened her. She just couldn't get a hold of directions or it, it was just strange. And so I had to like I said, have her no longer have possession of her keys because she might hurt herself. With all of the changes I described, I guess one question is how do caregivers feel? And here, here are some statistics about how they feel. 48% uh, of caregivers who are taking care of someone with dementia or Alzheimer's, according to the CDC, um, are stressed. About one in third of the caregivers report that their health worsens due to their responsibility. So taking care of another um, person can be very stressful. And the person who is the caregiver, because they're spending extra energy, um, both physical and mental, can cause them to be exhausted and for their health to worsen. And nearly one in four are sandwiched generation caregivers. And that would describe me, it, caring for an older adult while caring for a child at the same time. And so, like I said, this described me at the time because I was raising my youngest son who was attending an early college program. And we both had late hours um, due to schedule and then living 30 minutes away from the campus and, and, our, and my employer. Um, the good thing was at that time, the assistant living facility that I had to place my mom in was close to um, both the college and my employer. However, I was juggling uh, my family responsibilities, the responsibility of my parents overseeing their health, their uh, financial living arrangements, and finally their estate issues while raising my son who was in high school. So, you know, there's a lot of responsibility. Nearly 60%, talking about caregivers, once again, rate the emotional stress of caregiving as high or very high, very high. And 40% of caregivers report feeling depressed. And I would imagine that that depression comes from a lack of power. And what I mean by that is you're not in you're not in control of what's going on with your loved one, um, whether it's the health or their emotional state. So while you may be in control of finances, you're not in control of their memory. You don't you can't make them uh, remember some people with Alzheimer's, for example, will forget their own family members or their close friends or call you by another family member's names. And so it's a very um, challenging uh, situation to deal with. 
However, caring for someone with Alzheimer's can have a negative impact on the caregiver's employment and income because the caregiver has to, to, to go in late because they may have to take their um, loved one to a medical appointment or uh, some people have even had to uh, leave work early or take time off. I remember when my mom was getting, um, it was a few months before she passed away, actually, she uh, had a stroke. And so I had to leave work immediately um, to meet at the hospital. And then even the next day, I felt guilty. I would always feel guilt. That would be one of the things that I had to deal with a lot as being a caregiver. Guilt for not um, meeting uh, my standards in terms of sometimes not being at work when I wanted to be at work for an event or an activity or something that was going on. Also trying to manage, like I said, my son's uh, schooling and the responsibilities of picking him up at 930 at night when he got out of a class. It was just a lot. Um, but caregivers, once again, sometimes have to be late for work, leave early, or take time off to care for their loved ones. Some people have even had to quit their jobs or reduce their hours or take family medical leave. A lot of employers do not have policies that support caregivers. And I recall, like I said, when I was taking care of my mom, leaving work early to make visits, or sometimes I would even go on my lunch because I was about maybe 10 minutes away from her. And so I would take my lunch break and go see her sometimes or do it right immediately after work. I just had to make it work for her and for me and for my son at the time because the responsibility of being a high school slash college student is a lot. And um, we don't regret it, but it was a extremely busy time in our lives. And I would go visit my mom almost every day, almost every day. And I would go at different times. So like I said, I'd do lunch breaks or I would go after work and sit for an hour or two. And I began to realize that some people, residents there, never have visitors. I never saw anybody. And I felt really sad about that because it just bothered me that people can put their loved one in a facility and just never visit. And I would talk to the nursing staff or the attendants and they would say, yeah, these people never have visits. Um, and so what I want to say is that being a caregiver is an act of love and it can be emotionally and physically exhausting. However, I found caregiving is a selfless way to show your loved one that you care about them. And so my advice is to continue to check in on your loved ones, even if you do have to um, put them in a nursing home or put them in an assist assistant living facility, check on them. Now, how do you deal with being a caregiver? I think this is the most important part. These are the most important tips that I can give you. And the number one is build a network of support. Build a network of support. When my mom was in assistant living, I asked friends from the church to visit her and other church members. I also asked uh, friends who would help me 
like my own personal friends when I needed help with my son. So say, for example, my mom was hospitalized, like I said, with a stroke, and I had to check on her immediately. And so at the time, my son was taking a biology class, I believe, and I had to have someone pick him up until I could leave the hospital. So it's important to have a network of people that support you. My friends were always there for me. Communicate. Learn how to get the information that you need from the medical team and write down everything. Medications, uh, any changes in mood. Um, just write down everything. Notice everything. Learn to communicate with the nursing staff and the people who are involved in your loved one's care. And then learn how to deal with your loved one's limited reasoning and verbal skills. And like I said before, um, people with Alzheimer's, sometimes they will not talk. Sometimes they may talk. And it really, really depends on their mood. Some things can agitate them very easily. And then other times it's like people don't even exist to them. So it's really a lot on the caregiver, but just learn how to deal with and accept the state that your loved one is in at that particular moment. Practice self-care. <laughs> it is okay to take a break. I had to learn that the hard way. It is okay to take a break. Allow yourself time to yourself. I remember feeling guilty on the days when I did not visit mom. And that might have been like a weekend, but not every weekend. But whenever it was, I would always feel extremely guilty. So I just want you to know it's important to take care of yourself. Make sure you get enough rest and find something to do that brings you joy and pleasure. Listen to some soothing music. Eat balanced meals and get enough sleep and enough exercise. Drink water. Find a thing that brings you joy outside of taking care of your loved one. And remember... It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to ask for help. Number four, acknowledge your loved one's limitation. Remember that your loved one might need assistance with using the bathroom or getting dressed. And remember to treat them with love because it, because it is the attention that you required at one point in your life and may need again when you're older. So I remember many times having to help my mother in the bathroom um, that was strange, but it was needed. And I just did it graciously. Accept help from others. So remember earlier I said that about the network, but you have to be willing to also accept the support. So once again, welcome visits from others who want to be supportive. I would have my mother's friends because she lived in Michigan before she ever moved to Georgia. So when she returned back to Michigan, her friends would say, Connie, we're going to go see her. And I would be so happy because maybe she would remember something or it would just be one of those days where I knew it would be okay if I took a little break. So I also remember my mom's friends telling me about how they combed her hair, how they helped her feed her once she started to decline more. And this stuff really matters. It really matters. It really helped me to feel that she was loved outside of me. 
So remember, accept help from others. It's okay. Learn what community resources are available. There's the Council on Aging. There are support groups for caregivers. You have to learn about hospice if you need it or respite if your loved one is living in your home with you and home health care. So we know that, you know, respite is just a temporary time where, for example, at, I believe at the place where my mom lived, they would have people come there for the weekend. So say if your loved one was living at home with you and you were caring for them in your home and you were tired and you needed a break and you didn't have anyone to do it, you could actually have your loved one be in an assistant living facility for the weekend respite okay you may figure out a different way to get respite but it may be necessary and it's probably needed sometimes home health care you can get a nurse or a, 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 they call a, um, a sitter to come in your house and interact with your parent that's something that you can do and then just don't forget about the support groups because it's important to know that you're not in this fight alone and that there are other people who are experiencing the same thing or something similar or maybe even something worse. And people just need a community, a network of like-minded individuals when they're going through different experiences. Number seven is manage the business affairs. Ooh, my experience included having power of attorney rights, managing the finances for my parents and their house in another state. And lastly, managing my mom's estate once she had passed. So literally during my time of being her caregiver, I was managing two households. <laughs> my parents' household was in Georgia. So I was managing their, their light bill, their water bill, making sure their grass was cut. And all of this was until I was able to um, sell their property and then put it into an estate for me and my siblings. But the most important thing is that once your parents get in a state of where they cannot take care of themselves, having power of attorney rights is something that gives you the authority to take care of your parents and make financial and health decisions for them. And that can be really, it can be really a lot but it's important because who can make the better decision for your parent than you? Manage your own health. That is the last thing that I'm gonna talk about. Um, as a sandwich generation caregiver, make sure that you're seeing the doctor, make sure that you're getting the breaks, make sure that you're taking the breaks when you're not feeling well. And remember that your health is just as important as your loved one's health just as important as your child's health. Because many times when you're being a sam when you're a sandwich generation caregiver, your focus is on both your child and your parent, child, parent, child, parent. And you may be neglecting yourself, but remember it is so important to take care of yourself. So manage your health, go to your doctor's appointments, go to your dentist appointments. And when you're feeling well, take that needed break. Lastly, remember to shore up on your coping skills and do everything in love when it is your turn to be a caregiver. Thank you. The Empowering Connections podcast is not intended to replace the need for a professional counseling relationship. 
this podcast does not constitute professional advice or counseling services. As always, if you need mental health services, please seek a qualified mental health provider. You can find Connie Aikens on the websites Psychology Today and Therapy for Black Girls. If you have an iTunes or Spotify account, please subscribe, share, and continue to listen. Feel free to check out Connie Aiken's website at www.empoweringserenity.net. And follow Connie on Instagram at Connie Aikens LPC. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute this podcast. We appreciate you listening to the Empowering Connections podcast and providing feedback. Stay positive.